happy to go to work and go fishing. It doesn't seem like a job for me. It's um, I just enjoy what I do. So I think when you enjoy your work that much that you don't treat it as a as a job, you you just don't realise the time goes by and yeah, it's just a great great way of life. I think. This is Fishtails, a seafood podcast. I'm John Sussman. Small-scale fisheries, often referred to as artisanal fisheries, are responsible for nearly half of global seafood catches. The small-scale fishery sector is incredibly important to global food security, livelihoods and the well-being of many fisherfolk. But what are small-scale fisheries? Small-scale fisheries may be defined numerous ways. One common definition includes fishers who operate without boats or on boats less than 15 metres in length. And these fishers generally don't fish far from shore and may use less energy intensive gear types. Additionally, these fishers are often able to target different species depending on their seasonal availability. With a smaller carbon footprint than industrial fisheries and almost all the fish caught by artisan fishers destined for dinner plates, as against the 25% of industrial fish catches which are used in animal feeds or fertilizers, there is a strong case for the sustainability of the small scale artisan fisher. Although many small-scale fisheries are facing increased pressures from regulators, management changes, including the imposition and reduction of quotas, and the influence of recreational fisheries, there is a renaissance of appreciation for the small artisan fisher. It's occurring especially in the premium food service sector where the growing respect for wild fish is being recognised by chefs keen to engage more directly with fishers in the knowledge they will have fresher, more unique local seafood to offer their guests. Troy Billum is one such small-scale artisan fisher. From his base in the beautiful coastal hamlet of Yamba on the north coast of New South Wales, he works the lakes, estuaries and open ocean of his local area, catching a range of seafood which is determined by season, weather and his desire to fish. Hi, I'm Troy Billum. I'm a professional fisherman from Yamba on the north coast of New South Wales. You know, I mainly fish for mud crabs and mixed fin fish like uh, I line fish for Spanish mackerel, spotted mackerel, snapper, a bit of kingfish, etc. in the ocean trap and line fishery, uh, mud crabs in the estuary general fishery, also mesh for mullet, uh, brim, sand whiting, mulloway, uh, a few other mixed species in the estuary. Look, Yamba's surrounded by water. We've got a um, really big estuary here, the Clarence River. There's a big lake, Lake Woolaway, where I do a lot of fishing in that, that particular lake, which joins onto the estuary here. Um, and we've got the ocean out the front, and we're on the far north coast, so we're central to other other places in the ocean, Coffs Harbour, Woolai, Mini Waters, uh, Byron Bay and Brunswick Heads isn't that far away, it's all within an hour's drive. Uh, so that's, you know, Yamba's pretty nice, it's a growing tourist town at the moment, and pretty laid back and pretty quiet in winter. It's a pretty special place to me, I love it here. Getting a start in the fishing business can be trying. Often the cost of entry, including buying licenses, quota, boats and gear, can be a barrier many just can't jump over. For a young bloke driven by a burning passion for fishing, Troy was determined to become a professional fisherman from an early age. Yeah, I grew up in um, Bangalore, Byron Bay area, and I moved down here to Yamba probably, oh, roughly 20 years ago. Uh, my father did a little bit of fishing and and I was just mad keen on fishing ever since I was a little boy. I actually got my grandfather into it and 
and he'd take me fishing all the time after school and on the weekends and um yeah sort of he started to love it as well and which was good because he took me fishing all the time i always wanted to be a professional fisherman for some reason i think since i was in kindergarten I always wanted to be a professional fisherman and teachers at school used to you know tell me you'll never get anywhere out of fishing and i sort of had different ideas and um now i'm where i am getting underway as a professional fisherman can result in many anxious times the skills required to fish professionally are the same yet vastly different from those of an enthusiastic recreational fisher managing the rigors of running a business within such a dynamic workplace which is dependent not only on customer demand but also on seasons weather and even if the fish are on the bite is a vastly different proposition than wetting a line to relax on the weekend when i first started it was um definitely not easy road uh, there's a lot of hurdles and hiccups and stuff I had to jump over, blood, sweat and tears. Um, I got my first fishing licence when I was uh, about 20, 19 actually. Um, I did a little bit of work as a deckhand for my father, he was commercially fishing at that stage. I did a little bit of deckhand work for him and had different ideas since that I wouldn't be working for someone else all the time so I decided to to put the effort in and get my own um, own commercial fishing business. I got a loan to, to buy the fishing business. Uh, it actually came with no gear, no boats or anything. And I had uh, about six and a half thousand dollars saved up from being a deckhand. I bought a 14 and a half foot tinny for about, I think that was about 5,000. Uh, I bought a, a freezer to put some bait in, a roll of wire to make some crab traps a couple of rods and reels and some line and some hooks and I um, started line fishing off Byron Bay. I still remember that day really well. Um, was pretty proud in one sense. Um, There's a lot going through my mind as well as, a, you know, here I go, I'm actually doing it. Um, I went out off Brunswick Heads that particular day and um, I caught some snapper and some flathead and a few other bits and pieces and then I um, took them, I think I took them to, uh, I think it was Ballina Co-op where I took them and got rid of them. And then not long after that, I, I talked to Freckle up at Bay Seafoods in Byron Bay. And um, he gave me a key for the back door of the shop there and told me, you know, gave me some set prices for everything I was catching and free ice. And um, yeah, really looked after me and that's sort of where I started off and he gave me a big leg up into the into starting off. It was um, as I gradually made a bit of money, I'd buy something else and just grew and grew my business. Um, there's a lot of breakdowns and hiccups and hurdles along the way, but I, I just put everything back into the business and grew it to the stage I am now. Australia has some of the largest sanctuary or no fish zones in the world. It's claimed that the real value of sanctuary zones lies in allowing natural and entire ecosystem functions to occur uninterrupted by human interference. The implementation of sanctuary zones has been a topic of much discussion on the north coast of New South Wales, requiring many professional fishers to relocate to continue their fishing. I suppose the next stages from there, um, because I'd you know, sometimes weigh the fishing at night or early the next morning at the shop there and um, he used to comment on the quality, which was was good to hear that feedback, and that sort of boosted my morale. And so, you know, I've got to look after the, my fish really well here, and 
and liked getting that good feedback about it. And um, so, you know, looked after my fish and then I, we had a marine park come in and I moved down to Yamba so I could continue to fish and do a bit more in the estuary where I had some endorsements for this, this area. So I moved down here and um, things just progressed. I started marking a little bit of fish here and there myself, uh, wading a little bit through the local co-op. And um, I just, for me, I thought it was better to, to sell fish on my own. I enjoyed the marketing side of things as well. And um, yeah, that sort of progressed me to where I am now. Yeah, my customer mix is at the moment um, a little bit of retail and wholesale. Uh, a lot goes to Sydney Fish Market. Uh, a lot of my crabs go into Melbourne. Got a really good buyer down in Melbourne that looks after me with my mud crabs. And one or two local wholesalers around the local area here who, who retail a product on from there and they do a bit of wholesale with it as well. The small-scale artisan fisherman needs to be multi-skilled in his role as the seasons change, fish populations migrate and market demands move. Having a symbiotic relationship with the seasons is just another part of the job of an artisan fisherman. Yeah, very seasonal. Uh, I'll, I'll sort of do mud crabs, which is one of my main things from about November through to May. Uh, during that time, I also chase uh, spotted and Spanish mackerel from probably February through to May. So I'll do both things there. Um, also, I'll mesh a few mullet and whiting at that sort of time as well. Um, after May, I sort of move on to jewfish, brim, uh, a little bit of ludric, and line fishing in the ocean for the species I catch there. And then about September, October, I'll haul sand whiting, and then back into the mud crabs in November. So I'm a pretty diversified fisherman. I like to mix it up a little bit, and because everything's so seasonal here and sort of chops and changes, I can just move with the times. Yeah, yeah, after 25 odd years, you, you um, rack up a few skills in the bag. It's, it's um, something I'd love to be able to teach, teach someone else when I get older, hopefully my son. It'd be nice to do that. But, um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of skills there that you, you learn over the times. Small-scale fisheries are a key contributor to the national economy. However, the sector is faced with major challenges, including lack of access to financing, restricted market access, the need to ensure quality of fish, diseconomies of scale, and not being able to add value to their catches. Many of these issues of the small-scale fishermen relate to their ability to maximise the value of their catch. Ocean Watch is an organisation which provides small-scale fishermen with a broad range of training programs to help improve their environmental practices, protect marine species, reduce bycatch, introduce sustainable technologies, and ultimately produce a premium quality, sustainable seafood. Through this training, fishermen can sustainably increase the value of their catch. I know my skills have definitely grown, and I think you know, I've seen other people come and go. Some have made it, some haven't, and the ones that have, their skills have grown. A lot of people at the same era as me that we all started around the same time, and they're all at the moment, very skillful fishermen. And the professionalism's changing all the time. It's getting better and better. People have got a lot more respect for our industry, um, trying to promote it, trying to promote best practice and do as good as we can and show the community that we look after our resource here and it means a lot to us. 
And if without it, we don't have a job. And the better we look after it, the more chance we've got of our our kids and future generations having the same um, access that we have and be able to share the same passion that we have. Yeah, the Ocean Watch Master Fisherman Program is a great program. It um, sort of showcases professionalism in the industry. There's a code of practice. And it sort of it, it teaches fishermen best practice, uh, showcases responsible and sustainable harvest of our seafood. Uh, there's a provenance aspect to it too where we've got a QR code uh, that can be scanned by the buyer or wholesaler, retailer and even the consumer to see where their fish came from, who caught it, how they caught it, uh, all information down to sustainability of the, the method used, the species. I think there's even cooking instructions there as well, maybe. Um, a lot of information there that sort of to flow onto the end user down the track. And I first got into that, oh, geez, it might have been six years ago, roughly. Uh, I remember when they... They came and talked to us in different ports. Brad Warren did and let us know about the Master Fisherman program a few years before that. And as soon as I heard about it, I was as keen as mustard to get onto this. I thought this is going to be something really great for our industry. And I was lucky enough to be in the first few batches of people that went through the program, which runs for a day where fishers do some training uh, with with the Ocean Watch guys and they sort of teach you that best practice and yeah it was just something I thought would be really good for the industry and I was keen as to get into it and um, yeah I hope it can grow even further. The mud crab is an iconic Australian seafood. Although they inhabit tropical to warm temperate waters from Exmouth in Western Australia to the Bega River in southern New South Wales, it's the muddy of the northern New South Wales that many gourmands claim to be some of the best. The crabs of the region favour soft, muddy bottoms below the low tide level and generally live in sheltered estuaries, mudflats, mangrove forests and the tidal reaches of the rivers of the area. Yeah, look, they look really well here. Um, obviously, every, every season's different. Something, one species seems to do better than others most seasons and you can never really pick what that is until the seasons start. Uh, it's all weather and environmental dependent. And, um, yeah, look, it's in good shape. We've just been through a major reform here uh, five years, four years ago, and we moved into a quota-managed fishery. So mud crabs are on quota. Uh, the estuary general meshing's on an effort quota of days, number of days. Same with Category 1 hauling. And there's a massive restructure in the industry. It, it did hurt a lot of people. Uh, some people have come out, come out on the other side of it doing well, but unfortunately we lost a lot of fishers during that time. But apart from that, the industry's in pretty good shape, or the fishery, I should say, is in pretty good shape. And it's, um, it's pretty well looked after now. We're, we're seeing good numbers of species. Um, Last year wasn't so flash for mud crabs with me. Um, we just had too much rain last year. We had three big floods in a row, and it sort of knocked things about a bit. But other species were benefit because of that. 
and maybe in a year or two we'll probably see some really good mud crab years. They sort of take a few years after the, the floods to, to really turn it on and you have some good years then. We've got a grading system now so we can tell when they're full of meat. It's our, pretty easy for us blokes to tell when they've got a high meat, meat content in them. Um, maybe that might have something to do with it. Um, I think just the quality. We're, we're only eight hours away from Sydney here. So we can get them into Sydney extremely quick, extremely, they're extremely lively and fresh when they get there. Uh, that's probably, probably the reason for best quality coming out of here. For the artisan small-scale fisher, there is no such thing as a typical day at the office. Seasons, weather, fishing conditions, market demands and even availability of freight can all impact on what will occur from day to day. Well, my days change every day uh, because I'm so diversified with what I do. It's um, completely different every day. An average day uh, in the mud crab season, up early, uh, wait for high tide, get out there and run through my traps, um, come home, sort of pack my crabs away for the day, uh, might go mesh some mullet later that afternoon or that night. If I'm sending product away that particular day, I come home from work, pack the product, and send it away to where it has to go. If I'm chasing fish as well, I generally come home, pack the fish, and get them on the freight company down to Sydney, uh, usually late in the afternoon, and that product will be in Sydney uh, probably two or three o'clock the next morning on the auction floor at five or six o'clock for the buyers to buy the product there and push it out to the consumers. And I have completely different days to that as well. For example, last night I targeted Mulloway. I left home here at about 10 o'clock. I was home at about 11, 11.30 and got a nice lot of fish. I uh, had a bit of a sleep in this morning and now I'll I'll have a wholesaler come and collect those fish this morning. A uh, good day on the water is no breakdowns. Uh, plenty of fish, plenty of crabs, and some decent weather where I don't get knocked about too much. As communications and technology make the world become smaller, with catches and cooks only several computer mouse clicks away from each other, so too the opportunities for small-scale fishers have opened up. The contemporary cook is wanting to know where, how, when and from whom their food is coming. Whilst there are many challenges in the world of professional fishing, there are also many exciting opportunities for those who are prepared to look to the future and embrace the needs of the modern buyer. Uh, for the future, for me, I'd love to, to get into the marketing side of things a bit more. Um, I've just started a new business called Yamba Fisheries, and that's a business where I, I've got a group of other fishers, uh, young fishers like myself, and I'm actually marketing some of their product and sending some of their product into Sydney under the Yamba Fisheries banner. Uh, they've got their own supplier code set up under that banner and they've got transparency in the prices and the fees and everything. And I'm sending product through to there. I'm just in the process of building a, a depot at the moment and I hope to grow that business as well as continue to fish. Species at Yamba Fisheries will will deal with the uh, mud crabs. Obviously, I've got myself and a few other fisheries that do mud crabs. Uh, I've got a few fishers that do pippies. They catch off the ocean beaches here. 
most of us do mullet, uh, brim, uh, sand whiting, mull away, uh, a few mixed mixed bits and pieces like dusky flathead, um, ludric, and then I've got ocean trap fishermen targeting snapper and ocean line fishing as well and my own ocean line fish spanish spotted mackerel kingfish pearl perch and a range of mixed species from the ocean here some of the best special times for me uh, targeting mulloway is one of my favorite things or hauling whiting and just when you get a nice catch see a nice catch come in you sometimes you're unsure of what you're going to get and when a nice catch comes in it's um yeah, unbelievable you know, it doesn't matter how many times you do it it's just a great feeling i think i'm just happy to wake up every day know i'm living my dream and um achieving my goals and they're just happy to go to work and go fishing it doesn't seem like a job for me it's um i just enjoy what i do so i think when you enjoy your work that much that you don't treat it as a as a job you, you just don't realize the time goes by and yeah, it's just a great, great way of life, I think. Troy Billen is a shining light for the next generation of Australian small-scale artisan fishers. Fiercely passionate about his craft, the oceans, lakes and estuaries in which he works, and a desire to continue to improve what he does, he is also part of a growing movement of Ocean Watch master fishermen who are being connected directly with the growing demand for fresh, seasonal, local, premium quality seafood. Despite the many challenges the world of a professional fisherman may face, his story is one of inspiration with an exciting future ahead. This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtales Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtalespodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast app.